Welcome to the Abundant Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Welton. I'm a speaker, consultant, and thought leader here at Abundance.io. In this podcast, you'll discover your strengths, find turnkey business models, and get expert guidance for life's biggest financial moments, where we have trained and consulted over 35,000 entrepreneurs on how to start their first online business, and we've helped existing business owners start their second and third stream of income. You can learn more at Abundance.io, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the Abundant Leap Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Very excited to be back with another episode with my guest and amazing friend, Chance Welton. Chance, my man, what is going on? Good to see you, brother. I'm glad to see your new studio that you got set up. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. I know we got to meet a while back, had you on our show at Abundance, and we just had such a deep, awesome conversation and have become like really good friends ever since. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. Yeah, same, dude. I mean, you know, what's so funny is you don't know who you're going to meet and just be like instantly bonded. Um, there's that terminology. I don't know if it applies to platonic male friendships or not, but like <laughs> twin flames. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. It for is sure. the strangest thing. It ever. really is. It's powerful. So for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your backstory and, and what you're doing today. Well, you know, I'm, 34 years old, but I feel like I'm 70 just with all the experiences that I've had. I heard that uh, entrepreneurs live longer lives because things are so different for us every single day that that's how our brain like analyzes time. It's not actually how long it took, but how many experience, different experiences Mm -hmm. we have every day. And so to that point, I feel like I've lived a hundred lives and it's kind of funny inside of our family, like people will Google my name and go look at like old photos of me. And they're like, which chapter of Chance's life is your favorite when he was like hippie chance or homeless chance or rock star chance or model chance or like bartender chance. Like what was your favorite era of chance? Because I've had so many of these different chapters. Cause I've always just been such a searcher and so curious with life of like, man, I want the most out of life. I want to be around the most amazing people. And so it put me in a lot of really wild experiences even at a very young age, because I was always just like such a seeker and I still am today. So um, it's really been all over the place, man. I'm, I'm open. I'm an open book. I'm open to share, uh, you know, anything along that line that you think would really resonate with, uh, with your following. If I wanted to know you at a deeper level, what is one thing about your past that has defined who you are today? Definitely without hesitation, my father committing suicide when I was 19 mm-hmm. years old, like my best friend, my my father figure, like everything that I knew about life was him. Like I'm spitting image of him. Like you look at photos of him when he was my age and like, it freaks my mother out to this day about how similar that we are. Um, and again, that also shaped me as a person of like, you know, we always procrastinate things that we want to do in our lives to better our lives. We always say, like, oh, I'll go have dinner with that friend at some point. And then years and years and years pass and you lose connection with that person. Same thing happens with fitness goals or health goals or travel goals or whatever. And I remember my family or people that I looked up to at a very young age were like, oh yeah, well, when I'm retired, I'll go travel. I'm like, when you're 65 years old, you don't want to go, you don't want to go hike Machu Picchu. You don't want to summit Everest. You don't want to surf a big wave in Hawaii. Like you don't want to do the things that are so fun about traveling. Like, I, don't, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to experience these things that I want to experience now. Mm-hmm. And then seeing my father pass at 45 or 49, 
right? 49 years old. I thought I still had another 40 years with him, 50 years with him. I thought he was going to meet my kids. It wasn't, you know, life is short. So that moment really was like an eye-opening experience for me of like pretty much all this shit I'd heard my whole life was like, mm. and it was like, no, you got to self-define what you want today and like start working towards that because what I thought was that I would have a whole lifetime with my father was not true. That, that didn't happen for me. And I knew that I wanted to be around for my son. You know, I have a year and a half year old now and I get to see him every single day. Yesterday he walked for the first time, like ran across the oh, living amazing. room and I was there to see it. Mm. You know, I was there and that's what's so important to me now is because that was the strongest relationship. And it took me a long time to come back to a place where I could love like that. Um, because after that, like, I've always been like a pretty optimistic person, like pretty just happy person in life, even though I've gone through a lot of stuff, including that with my dad. And, um, you know, I really numbed myself out after that, like just with all the fun times, like drinking drugs, women, like just chasing the next high, chasing the dragon, right. Never got into hard drugs, but you know, did, did all the ones that are fun and uh would keep me at a safe distance right mm -hmm. emotionally and um you know that went on for a long long time and one of the um girls that i was dating at the time was like you only let me love you so much mm. i was like whatever you're just being such a woman like oh, i'm not emotional enough i'm not available it's like i love you like i absolutely love you like you're my best friend i'm showing up for you she's like no but there's like this i can feel this thing in between well eventually i let my ego kind of come down a little bit and uh i was at a conference and they were talking about brain state like a brain thing that would like help you process trauma and all this stuff and i was like ah whatever i'll you know i'll, I'll give it a go let's try it out and sure enough she hooked up my brain she's like your subconscious is locked down like you're not able to feel emotion. She's like, when was the last time you cried? And I was like, it was my father's death. Mm. I was 24 at the time. My father died at 19. It had been five years since I'd shed a tear. Not a happy tear, not a sad tear. Yep. Not crying when another family member passed or losing a friend or whatever. Not just like, I was like, that sucks, but I'm not going to allow myself to feel that because I was protecting myself. And we all do that. We really just protect ourselves from it. We're triggered by certain experiences that allow us to shut down and go into this safe space. And whatever emotions we operate on, we always go back to that. Like you meet people that are always pissed off. It doesn't matter. They're just always pissed. Like that's just their emotion that they're, that they're comfortable in. So they always just operate from that place. Mine was like humor and having a good time. So like, I just always wanted to get back to that where we could be laughing about something mm -hmm. or having a great time. So I was doing whatever I could to always get back to that. But I was always chasing the dopamine high so that I could avoid the pain, right? And avoid that situation, not let people too close to me because then I didn't ever want to experience what I experienced. So eventually I realized the cycle that I was in and my good friend, Dr. Loke, the rewire, rewire doctor is, talks about how like, if we're always chasing that high, there's always a come down. And then we feel depressed, lonely, not enough energy to get through the day or whatever. So if we're always doing this, always looking for the positive, or vice versa, always looking for the negative. It's like, there's always going to be a swing. And so if we're not more balanced in our positivity, then we can have these downfalls. So I started experiencing that where I'd have like these huge, like real lows. Like I never wanted to be alone. Mm. I never wanted to not have something fun or exciting or whatever, like planned for that week. So I had something to look forward to on the weekends. Like if I didn't have that, I was like super 
down and depressed. Not like debilitating, take my own life type of depressed, but like enough to where I was like, I do not want to feel like this. And so I did the brain state and I did 25 hour intensive. I did five hours a day for five days in a row. That's just how I am. I'm all in. It's like, if we're going to, at the time it was like, if we're going to go party, we're staying up till freaking eight in the morning. If we're going to go climb this mountain, we're going to climb it faster than anybody else. I was always just like freaking all in. So with this, I'm like, what do we got to do to fix this thing like this week? And she's like, well, um, you know, we can do an intensive if you want to do that. And she's like, it's five grand and which is a lot of money for me at the time, but like, we'll get it done. And like, this is going to like rip you open in all the best ways. I said, fantastic. It's the equivalent to doing 30 years of meditation or whatever she wanted to call it. I said, great, let's dive in. So she looks at my brain. It's like, yeah, your subconscious literally shut down. Like you're not allowing yourself to feel emotions, which a lot of people are in, but it's also not allowing you to love. You're, you're probably hitting a bottleneck in your business. You're probably kind of hitting this plateau in a lot of areas of your life. And again, I didn't want to hear it from my girlfriend, but I would hear it from yeah, this woman course. that studies brains, right? So I'm like, interesting. Yeah, I've been stuck at this number in my business. I've been stuck at only going so deep. Like I'm still having very shallow relationships. Mm-hmm. And essentially having the same relationships with people that I had since like high school or shortly after. What I mean by that is not just with those people, but like the same level of conversation. We're still talking about the good old days mm-hmm. and still talking about things in the past that aren't bettering my future or allowing me to grow in different ways. I was being paralyzed in that sense in a lot of different aspects of my life. And I was like, whoa, this is really starting to make sense. Kind of how you do one thing is you do, like how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So we do this 25 hour intensive and then she's like, just be really easy on yourself because you're probably going to be really emotional. And I was like, I'm not that, I'm not a very emotional person. Well, a few days after everything kind of settled in, um, I was just crying about like everything, like everything. Like I called her, I was like, you got to turn this thing back. I'm freaking, freaking cute cat walked across the road and I just started crying. And she's like, yeah, she's like, it's going to be intense because you've, you put, like you've kept all this inside of you for you know, the last six years on top of all the other traumas that maybe you are conscious of or not conscious of, right? With toxic relationships or self, you know, self-abuse, whatever it is. And so it just kept going and going and going. But then I just like started to see the world like in a different freaking light. It was wild. I was just like more excited about life and, um, you know, had a greater connection with my girlfriend at the time. And she was just like, whoa, whatever happened at that lady's house, like, this is amazing. And I was like, you should do it too. She's like, oh, I'm not broke. And I was like, I ain't going to spend So she ended up not doing it, but she was like, whoa, like you are a different person. Um, I was already meditating at the time. I had been doing it for a couple of years, like twice a day. So I was kind of starting to get there, but that just like took it to the next level to where literally I was able to see the world in a different way because I, I wasn't being, con- uh, I wasn't operating from a place of fear anymore. And I wasn't operating from a place of, um, like scarcity of like needing to chase that next thing. I was just kind of like sitting and just being more of an observer of my thoughts instead of reacting to my thoughts. And it was a really profound moment in my life. And, um, yeah, it just allowed me to really get back in touch with who I was. And it was crazy when you kind of have those aha moments and you look back at all these little decisions you made leading up to that point, I just saw it in a completely different way of like, wow, I was being, uh, I was avoiding all these next things 
to really take me to the next level on so many different aspects of life because I was afraid of it. I didn't want to, mm-hmm. I didn't want to get hurt again. I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to have somebody that I loved and then have them be gone. Like my worst nightmare was like my girlfriend at the time, like dying in a crane, like a plane accident. And like, wow, I've just, you know, put seven years into this relationship. And like, if you were to leave, like, I feel like it'd be the end of me, you know? So that whole experience really propelled my life in a lot of different ways. And, but it was all about, you know, so many people talk about doing the work and you and I joke about it all the time. People are like, oh, I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the work. I'm like, just listening to podcasts, reading a couple of books, like that's part of it, but really taking action and really to understand, like, I'm not going to let fear control my life anymore. And like practice those conscious thoughts throughout the day, like repetitively is what really, I think doing the work is doing. And then like choosing to do those micro adjustments in your life every day that eventually over a long period of time will have massive change. Um, and, uh, yeah, from that moment of like doing the work and like, Hey, I'm going to really invest in myself. That was really the first big investment I made for myself too, whether it be in health or mentorship or whatever, it was like five grand for that intensive, but it was like the best $5,000 I ever spent on myself. I think even to this day, cause I was literally thinking differently after that. Yeah. That's incredible. And I, I think about, well, a lot of things just came up for me, but there, I think there's something people don't discuss frequently enough when it comes to loss, especially loss like that, like you went through with your father and it's heartbreak. You know, we, we put ourselves in this position where we are so connected with the people in our lives, our friends, our partners, our family, our community. And when we lose them, people always go to this thing where it's like, yeah, I shut down. I was emotional. I was like, yeah, you should be. Your heart's broken. Right. And there's research study that people who are married for long enough periods of time, like one partner dies, the other one dies right behind them. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredible. Like people who truly like love each other. Yep. And when you have loss, it's like you lose a part of you. And, and that was my experience. I mean, losing my three best friends, like my, one of my best friend and I'll, you, you said something that, that sparked a memory for me. My best friend, Seth, like, I'll, I'll never get to answer the call of his that I avoided because I was mad at him. And then he was gone. You know, when it's like, I don't get that moment back. You don't get that time back. You don't get that, that sit down with your boy who's in town. You don't get that trip to the restaurant. You don't get those back. And I think you're incredibly spot on. It's like, you have to be willing to operate in that space of the now and face the fear. Cause a lot of it is like, it is just fear and it's stupid fear because like realistically, whatever's in your head is not reality until you start making it reality. Mm-hmm. But when your heart is broken, whether it's somebody has left you or you lost the dream job or, you know, whatever that thing is, it's easy to make ill-advised decisions when you're unaware, mm-hmm. right? Here you are 19. My dad's my best friend, my everything, everything I know about the world, being a man, I look just like him. That's heavy. Mm-hmm. There, there's something of depth there that most people relate to. We all go through this. We all have that loss. I think the most difficult part about that is like when you are facing it is to not run, but it's survival. Mm-hmm. The brain doesn't know better. The brain's like, that hurt really bad. I'm going to go have all the fun. No matter what. Oh, I ran. I was traveling at the time. I was in New Zealand when it happened. 
And I'd already bought an, an around the world trip ticket with my best friend, Adam at the time. So we'd already had like 15 flights booked and it was like, just survive while you're in that, you know, country wow. to get to the next thing. So we're working dead end jobs, doing whatever we could to make this thing happen. So when my father's funeral took place, <clears throat> I was already in New Zealand. So flew back, went to the funeral and then went back. And so I had all of my next year was planned to be running away. And so I took full wow. advantage of that. Like didn't really talk to my family. We all, it was really all really hard for us. And a lot of us lost touch. And I was like, man, I, I am in New Zealand then Fiji, then Australia, then Nepal. And honestly, it was like the perfect thing for me to be running. But at a, at a young age, it was like, that was also my medicine that was allowing me to really see the world for what it was and get out of my triggering environment of being around like the restaurants I used to go to with him and the town that I, you know, knew him in. Right. I was able to get out of that, which I think was really healing for me at the same time, but was definitely uh, full on running away from my problems. I did a full trip around the globe that year. I, le I was living in Hawaii at the time, went all the way around the world and came back to Hawaii um, in that year of shortly after my father passing. And so I was also torn open to where I feel like I saw the world in a, in a really beautiful way because of how vulnerable I was after that, where I was like making friends and had this feeling of like, wow, life is short. Like I need to make the most out of every single day. And that was really the big learning lesson of that year was there are so many amazing people out there that I was meeting strangers that I was just falling in love with, mm. you know, like it was just such a rad experience. You're like, man, this person on the other side of the world has no idea who I am. Mind you, this is like right when Facebook was taken off. Right. So there wasn't even like Instagram and all these ways that we're all connecting. Now it was like, man, if you met somebody at a bar at a hostel or whatever, it's like you were writing down their email, like on a piece of paper and like, man, email me anytime you're in town. And so we started building these friends because we landed in New Zealand and then started traveling back the other way, which everyone from Europe would come around in New Zealand kind of be like their last stop when people were like on gap year and whatnot. So we're meeting all these people in New Zealand and then starting to go back around the other side of the, uh, of the globe. And we're meeting up with all these people in these different areas and just people just like opening their doors to us and being like super amazing. I'm out of town, but my mom said, come stay with them for the week and she'll cook you dinner. It's like, somebody I met for an hour at a hostel yeah. in freaking New Zealand. And you're like, wow, people actually truly care about strangers. Yeah. And that was like such a aha moment for me because growing up, it's like, don't talk to strangers. True. Don't get in cars. You don't, you know, if you don't know them. It's probably ideal. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, my, <laughs> my life, I mean, yeah, if you're under, you know, 15, you're under 18, probably not. But yeah. as an adult, it's like, I have learned the most from strangers. Mm. I've had the biggest opportunities from strangers. I've, you know, fell in love with my wife. She was a stranger, just met her at a random concert and decided to walk up and talk to her. <laughs> and now we have the most beautiful son ever. You know, it's like, there's so much magic that comes from it. But again, it goes back to talking about fear. Like when you remove the fear, and you genuinely want the best for a stranger that you don't even know, like you're going to find those other strangers that have that same frequency that genuinely care about you that would take the shirt off their back. Yeah. So that was like a big learning lesson that year of like, wow, all these things that I feared, you know, majority of my family never been out of the country at the time. Um, you know, either went right into a job or went right into college and, you know, just kind of stayed close to home. Still to stay, my entire family lives in Idaho. I'm the only one that lives partially outside of the outside of the state. Later on, my sisters travel a lot. We got to do some really fantastic trips together, but it was this big unknown, this big scary thing. And, 
you know, I, I remember we were going to Nepal and my mom researched it and like 10 years prior, there was like a bunch of like free radicals that were kind of creating their own militia. And she was like, oh my God, you're going to get kidnapped. Like, don't go there. And we didn't have phones, we didn't have computers. So like, she wouldn't hear from me for three, four weeks at a time. Um, but it was like going, pushing through the fear and the unknown to really find like some of those magical moments in my entire life. Yeah. And I'm a proponent of all of that. I'm a, I always tell people, one of the first things I advise people when I'm coaching them, I'm like, if you still live where you grew up, you have to leave. Yep. You must leave. You have to do that. I share that all the time on this show, so I won't go into it. But when, when I, when I made the decision to travel the world, dude, it put me in a position to learn mm -hmm. about me, about how resilient I could be. And do talk about fear. I'm the kind of guy when I was young and in my early 20s, I'd walk around with a pocket knife all the time, keys in my knuckles. I had a concealed carry license. I carried my gun with me all the time. Just constant fear. Like mm -hmm. someone's going to hurt me. Someone's going to attack me. And then you learn like actually the world's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like it is incredible. The kindness of humans, the, the willingness of people to connect. I think if anything, I'm more concerned about walking down the streets in America than I am half the back alleys I've been in across the world. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? And I think that yeah. more people have to have the willingness to step into the unknown. But that that applies across the board. But we're, we're laid and what is put in front of us are all these ideals, all of these things that we don't necessarily agree with. And yeah. I, I think to a lot of extent, you have to be a contrarian, right? You have to be willing to push against what everyone else says and the social norms. But it's difficult because a lot of those things carry over those norms and they, they help you. And, and it's about finding the balance. And you said something I think is really, really beautiful. You're like, I got like the best one and a half year old because I was willing to talk to a stranger. And, and I, I want to ask this question. I don't have children, but I, one day if I do slash when, I'm always thinking about questions like this. You and I have kind of gone in this once before, but I never asked you this question. What is a lesson that you learned from watching your father that you bring into being a father? That's powerful. My, it didn't matter where we were at with my dad. He like always made sure that we were like taken care of and having fun, like having an experience. Like he always wanted to show us things. Like always like, oh, come over here and like look at this frog or like, you know, we're hunting and like, oh, come over here. And like, this is how you, you know, dress an animal or, you know, we're farming. And he just wanted us to experience and like see the world through his eyes and live like the best experience possible through him. And so he was always just like a teacher and always so involved and very much so lived in the present. Um, and so I've really have shared that with my son already. Like, I just love showing him things. And he's just like, they remind you about how magical life is. Cause like, even just like seeing a flower for the first time, like with this big succulent plant outside of our house and it's never bloomed before. Well, we had so much water this spring that it bloomed and all these big, beautiful pink flowers are like coming off of it. And he's like freaking out like pink, pink, pink. This is crazy. Dad, are you seeing this? It never was like this before. And I'm like, wow, you know, you hear that saying, stop and smell the roses. That was a perfect example of that like situation. Like we're always moving so fast. I didn't pay attention to all that thing that had never flowered before. And so I was able to like share that experience with him because mm -hmm. it was so magical. But really that's what it is, is like just being so present with him because my dad was always so present with us. And I always remember that, he, like there's three of us, you know, we're running around, we're on a farm, you know, there's a lot of dangerous stuff out there, you know, and <clears throat> was always just so present and making sure that we were having a great time and, you know, enjoying life. And, you know, that's what I've been able to share with my son is 
really just showing him things and just so excited to be able to be there with him all the time. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I often think about all the lessons I didn't learn not having a father. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be really good at this. Yes. I know all the things not to do, right? You will be. Are there things, are, are there, are there elements of, of your childhood in relation with whether your father or your mother that you thought defined what like being a parent was that are no longer true for you as you're now a parent? So if I heard you correctly, there, if there was things that happened that I thought would be important as a parent that I later found out to be not true. Right. I would say, you know, before you're a parent, you think, oh, mom and dad are crazy. Like all this stuff that they did. And you know, mom would always be like, ah, so many sleepless nights, you know, raising you kids. I was always like, whatever, you're, <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. Okay. Mom, don't be so, you know, dramatic, dramatic. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, a year and a half in with Dean and even before he was even born, so many sleepless nights, like, babe, are you okay? Like having weird pains in the middle of the night. Like there's so much around having a child that a lot of the stuff that, you know, you hear parents say, I was finding, I definitely was finding truth in that. Um, but you know, my mom and dad, you know, parents can be kind of like over controlling where they really want to like guide you in the direction and always like, well, this is the right way to do it. And this is like the only way to do it kind of a thing where I later broke out to be like, all the stuff you told me was like, not right for me. And I had to go out and find it. So, cause again, it was coming from a place of fear. Like, don't go travel, you know, get a job, take over dad's farm, like stay here. Like it was very much so like, this is the right way. And it wasn't for me. Mm. And thank God I did go out and experience the world because I'm adding so much value. And in my true divine self now, being able to impact people through abundance and, you know, have taught over 35,000 people how to start a business at this point and really given them true freedom. I wouldn't have been able to done, done that if I would have stayed on the farm. And so, you know, now raising my son, just putting so many things in front of him and letting him really kind of steer his way based on what he's naturally attracted to. We put guitars in front of him, we put little drum sets in front of him, we put paints in front of him, books in front of him, you know, cars, motorcycles, like what do you, what are you really like drawn to and really leaving that wide open? Um, because I think that we're all born with superpowers. We're all born with gifts and we need to find those because that's how we're truly going to provide as much value as we can to this world and really find the people that are actually going to support us and find true happiness. I feel like a lot of people make the mistake of ignoring that yeah, and trying to thinking. fit into a different thing that they're, that they're not meant to do, or my dad was a doctor, so I'm going to go be a doctor. And you hear that so many times where there's like four or five generations of people doing the same thing. Sometimes that is a perfect fit and that's great. And if you're happy and you're providing and you love it and you wake up every day and you can't wait to get to, to that project or that job, fantastic. But if it's not, it's like, that's time to really start looking at like, what did you let go of years ago that you're like, man, that was where I was really happy. Because when you're doing that, you can actually show up and, and create amazing connections, build an amazing business around it. I mean, with the internet now, literally whatever you're passionate about, you can make a business out of it. I know a guy that loves a guitar. He does guitar lessons and he's not the guy that's just sitting in a lo local shop charging 25 bucks per lesson. He's a dude that went out and built a massive online presence mm. and the dude's making like $8 million a year teaching wow. guitar lessons. But that's what he freaking loved to do. And he found a marketer found some guy that was great at video production said, Hey, let's go build this thing. And millions of subscribers. And so I tell people that all the time. And like, 
And that's what we teach inside of abundance is, you know, how to take, how to get your skills out there to the world. It's like, if you understand marketing, you understand paid media, you understand sales, you understand things like you can take literally whatever you want and you can take it to the world and create an amazing life. So that's really the thing that I want people listening in to think about is like, are you truly doing what you love to be doing? And if not, why not? Yeah. Well, the why not is easy, man. It's, it's not just indoctrination, right? Which is a big part of it, right? We grow up in schools, walk on the right side of the hall, do this, do that. That's a part of it. Like we all have Yeah, that. don't shine too bright. Just yeah. show up and Dude, kind of clock in and clock out. Don't, that, don't be too good. There's nothing on planet yeah. earth that pisses me off more than that. I had a conversation with somebody the other night and, and they said, you know, I, I, I always feel bad. This was in our entrepreneur coaching group. And they were like, I always feel bad when I do good stuff because I want to tell people, but I feel like I'm bragging. And I'm like, that's the problem. And you're only bragging if it's not true. You're only bragging if you're a liar. Yep. That's it. Yep. Right. If you didn't do that. Otherwise, it's like, give yourself flowers, shine your light. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I remember the one thing I would always get in trouble for as a kid. Well, two things. One is asking why. Not for the sake of asking why, but so I can understand. Don't tell me what to do if you cannot give me context on why I should do it. Right. Right. And two, being like, look what I did. And and part of that, like, I get it. Like, for me, I was ignored as a child. I was invisible. Like, and so if I did something cool, like win a wrestling tournament or get the MVP or like win the spelling bee, I would be like, I would want everyone to know. One time, this is a hilarious story. One time there was this girl I had this huge fucking crush on. And I just won this giant city wrestling tournament in Indianapolis. And I took the medal to school the next day because I only was like, I'm going to show her. Because <laughs> I'm like 17. Yeah, I don't yeah. know anything. The things we think that are really going to impress yeah. chicks. <laughs> Dude, she could give two. And it was such a, it was such a great lesson for me at such a young age because I was like, actually, this further proves the point that it doesn't matter what other people think about what you do as long as you're in alignment. But you have to, I think you have to go and try a bunch of different things. Yeah. You talked about all these phases of you. I've mm -hmm. had those too. I had the corporate one. I had the drug dealer one. I had the uh, professional photographer one. I had the blah, blah, blah. And yeah. now it's like author, speaker, coach, podcast host. Well, now I have like nine in one, right? But all of those things, like I had to try them and a lot of them were in alignment for a moment. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm actually not in alignment. This isn't really who I am, but I was willing to experiment. I think people get so trapped in that. Mm -hmm. And and you have had many revisions of chance, right? Of who you are as a human being. Some per your own doing and some because of the nature of the universe and the timeline that we're on, while not always linear, is in terms of start and ending. And so how do you determine I want to go deep into this and the nuance of the understanding of who you are, because this is where I believe the number one place people get stuck. We talked about fear. We can agree with that. I've talked about fear to the point everyone knows we all face it. But what do you do about that thing that keeps you awake? Where you're like, I need to go and see what's on the other side of this door. I need to try the modeling, going around the world, starting the business, right? You, you said, I've been homeless chance. I've been server bro chance. I've been party chance, like all these things. Like, how do you allow yourself the space to explore who you are? It's a great question. I think at one point, my biggest fear became, I don't want to die with more left in the tank. I don't want to die without going to South Africa and swimming with great white sharks. I don't want to die without having multiple kids. You know, I don't want to die not seeing you know, not seeing my grandchildren, right? It was like all, all these things started to 
stack up against it where the the fear outweighed the of not experiencing it forced me to go experience it. Mm -hmm. Especially when my dad passed, I was like, you know, life is short. And he had all these things on his bucket list that he didn't get to do that have just been hung on the wall. Right. And I never wanted to experience that. When I, when I go to rest, I want to be like, I did it all. Yeah. I did it all. Uh, and I'm motivated by that because also the unknown used to scare me, but I think traveling is such an important educational process to teach you to embrace the unknown because the unknown, mm -hmm. the unknown is excitement. The unknown is experiences that people don't get to experience. The unknown is meeting people that are going to help you advance in your life, you know, in, in a lot of different ways. The unknown is going to allow you to learn the things that you need to learn in your business in order to grow it. The unknowns are going to save your marriage. The unknowns are going to save your friendships. The unknowns are going to bring the right people into your life that actually give a damn about you, right? Because if you're not losing friends, you're not growing. You have to make space for these mm. things that are going to push you in the right direction. And it's scary. Change is scary. People are afraid of change. But in order for your life to change, your day-to-day -day has to change. The way that you perceive the world has to change, right? And in order to do that, you really got to find out where your beliefs and your values and your principles stand. And it's like, are these actually serving me? Or is this something that I was indoctrinated by? by my parents or by the school or by my boss of keeping me belittled. And people don't do it, not necessarily do it intentionally. It's a lot of this is subconscious programming that we're not even aware of, but you need to start thinking about, are those, are my beliefs, first of all, are they mine? Do I truly believe in them? I'm not talking about just spiritual beliefs. I'm talking about the beliefs in the world, the beliefs in money, the beliefs in relationships, the beliefs in diet, the beliefs in, um, Whatever it may be, like I challenge people to write those lists down. Like money's a perfect example. Write down like all your beliefs around money. And Dr. Loke talks on this in depth. It's like, once you understand where those beliefs are, you can actually change the way that you perceive the world because you got to figure out, are these my beliefs or are they not? If they're not, you get rid of them or you rewire the way that you think about them, right? Because I always was taught money's bad, money's evil. You got to screw somebody over or not pay somebody enough to make a lot of money and all the rich have screwed somebody in one way or another. Well, it's true for a very small percentage, but for people that actually continue to build these massive empires and have impact and do these things like, no, they're doing stuff right. And money is just energy. And if you have energy, you're able to have more impact. So if you're a great person, you make more money, you're still a great person, but you can do great things with the resources because once you take care of yourself, then you can take care of your family. Once you take care of your family, you can take care of your community. Once you take care of your community, you can take care of your town, your state, your country, the world. And that's allowed us to start nonprofits in Uganda and Pakistan and teach our students how to go out and have impact as well. Because yeah, once you're an awesome person, you have more resources, you attract more awesome people, and then you guys can go do big things together. That's all it is. So I had to change my belief structure around it because I grew up on a farm making five bucks an hour. And I was like, man, to make a million dollars, like I can't, Yeah, I can't because I'm only in my mind, I've only said I'm valued at $5 an hour. And the work that I'm doing is only valued at $5 an hour. So how do I get to a million dollars a year? Well, I have to change my belief system around money. I have to get around the right people that have already done it in an ethical way. And then I need to go learn from them because mm -hmm. when you learn from mentors, when you invest in mentorship, you are condensing your time. 
So a lot of these mentorships or coaches or people that I've had, it's like they're taking their 50 years of experience and giving it to me in one seminar or giving it to me in one four-hour sit-down. Yep. Here's all the million-dollar mistakes or multi-million-dollar mistakes that I had to make, and I'm going to give it to you all right now. That's why I've paid 50 grand for a four-hour consultation. That's why I've paid mentors over hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year to help me fine-tune my process to get my business, my life, my relationships to the next level because like, I don't want to be sitting there at, you know, 65 and be like, man, I, you know, I finally figured out my health or I finally figured out my finances or I finally figured out my relationship or I finally figured out X, Y, Z. I don't want, no, I want to, I want to know it now. I want to have abundance in my life in all these different areas now. But in order for me to have been able to even get to that is I had to, again, not let fear control me, let my ego go. Because a lot of the times while we don't, fix ourselves or want to fix ourselves is because we can't let go of our ego of like, oh, I'm right about everything. Yeah. You know, like, oh, my wife's always wrong. Well, she's the lazy one. And you know, when I come home, dinner should be on the it's table. Dangerous and, game. Dude, like all this like dumb sh that we keep telling ourselves because we don't want to be wrong. What is? Or we don't want to be weak. And I feel like people get mm. those two things confused. Like I love admitting that I'm wrong. I love Same. taking extreme ownership because then it allows me to find the answer much quicker. If it's someone from my team or if it's my wife or it's my business partner, it's you. I'm like, yeah, like help me. Yeah. Like I'm ready to get to that next but, level. But man, it takes, oh, it takes such a willingness to sit in that because it's so uncomfortable. Yes. Especially at first. And I yeah. would even argue it's probably still very uncomfortable. Well, for sure. But when you talk about uncomfortable at first, it's like, oh, I'm being challenged and I'm going to seem weak or whatever. But if you change your reframing around uncomfortable, you're growing when you're uncomfortable. Yeah, so now exactly. anytime I'm uncomfortable, I'm like, oh, here it comes again. Yep, here it I comes. can feel Level it. Up. I got to go get on this stage or I got to do this podcast or I got to do whatever. And it's like, oh, you're experiencing something new. This is exciting now. What used to, what the uncomfortability used to be the unknown, but now I know what the unknown is going to bring me. So now, excuse me, now I'm excited about being uncomfortable because I know what the outcome is. Yeah. So when we can really understand that, it allows us to step into these things and it's just so fun. It like the perfect example is like, you know, my wife, she's always like, oh, you know, I don't like being around a lot of people. And, you know, I don't, you know, the concerts and a lot of people just kind of freaks me out. As soon as I get her to a concert, she's dancing. It's like you get her there and then she's in the moment and she's dancing, having a great time and doesn't want to go home. It's like you have anxiety about something that you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you're stopping yourself from wanting to be there. And then once you get there, it's like the anxiety is really us being afraid of the future. Yeah. And that's all it, anxiety ever is. That's all it ever is. That you're there and then it's not, you're not anxious anymore. Yeah. And that's why it drives me crazy that people are so quick to medicate. And look, medication is also the fun, the girls, the drugs, the alcohol, the late night, like those are also the medications, right? Let's not get it till I'm not talking just strictly from a prescription standpoint. And, and I have found Man, when I'm staring down, for lack of a better term, this concept, this tunnel of the unknown, it's pitch black down there, man. I'm like, I have no idea what's down there. Do you know what I do? I call somebody who's been down that tunnel and I say, will you help me? Mm -hmm. Please. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and that level for me, it was humility because chance, believe it, this might surprise you because you don't, you didn't know me 15 years ago. I was always the right one. I was always right. No matter what you told me, mm -hmm. I'm always right. Even if, even if I'm looking at it and it's clearly wrong, 
if my ego had decided it is right, it is right, even though it is wrong. And that cost me so much. It cost me love, cost me friendships, money, relationships, opportunities, career. It cost me potential. It cost me time. It cost my brother coming to me one day and saying, never talk to me again. It cost me everything. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was sitting and I was like, I'm going to go down this path. I'm going to do this, this healing. I'm going to figure out what this is. And it's tremendously uncomfortable. It sucks. It's expensive. There were periods of time talking about being flat broke. Like I literally had to borrow money to go to therapy. Like, I don't want people to get it twisted because they see my life now and they're like, oh, you've been able to build success and write best-selling books and billboards and Times Square. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what it's like to call your friend and say, hey, can I borrow $150 so I can go to therapy this week? I will pay you back. And that to me is why I'm so willing to just go for it. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, I already know what the other side is, man. I know what rock bottom is. I know what it tastes like. I don't like it, but so much of it is the doing of self, the choices I made, the decisions I made, the people I was hanging out with. Yeah. And it's not to say that I don't love the certain people who were in my life, but I go look at their lives now and their lives are not different. And I look at my life now, my life is completely different. Doesn't mean I don't still, as our, one of our mutual friends, David, talks about, that doesn't mean I'm not paying the dummy tax. Yeah. Meltzer <laughs> talks about this all the time. I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm paying the dummy tax. But that's why he mentors me. That's why Tom Billy mentors me. That's why you mentor me. I'm like, I'm not trying to figure this out on my own anymore. No. And, and it kills me that so many people do. It's like, you can consume this podcast. And I mean this, seriously. You could consume the 600 plus episodes of Think Unbroken for the last five years, and your life could be totally different. But then you're going to walk into another tunnel. They're coming. It's inevitable. Like, cause there's a guy, TD Jakes, you know, TD Jakes. No. All right. So he's a Bishop from like down South, like big booming voice. He talks like this awesome personality, larger than life pastors, church with thousands and thousands and thousands of members. And I was watching him. I don't remember. It might've been one of Cardone's events. Who knows where I was? I don't know. You know how these things are. I'm sitting in the room, but he goes. One of the things you got to understand about life, it's new levels, new devils. Yep. And I was like, yo, that's so true. And when you face those new devils and it might be healing, it might be self-love. It might be, I need to go do this brain scan thingy. It's like, are you willing to face the devil? Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe not literally, you know, maybe it's the metaphorical devil that's in your head. But there's something about that in the willingness when you are like, I'm going to address my ego. One of the things that I had to do, this me up real bad, dude. My little brother telling me that destroyed me. I'm sure. It is literally the reason my life is different today. Because all the other straws on the camel, the camel was doing fine, bro. We yeah. were good. 50 grand in debt, 350 pounds, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girl. We're good. Camel strong. Yeah. Little brother going never talk to me again, that crushed me. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about ego. What was a part of your ego that you had to give up to become who you are today? That's a great question. Cause I was never a person that like needed to be right. Like that wasn't my ego. I mean, ego is always still present. There's a healthy pushing of ego that helps you show up, but it was, 
Hmm. I never really thought about it that way. The ego. I feel like, yeah, it wasn't about, it wasn't about being right. It wasn't about being like an alpha male. It wasn't about any of that type of stuff. It was more like I just had to Man, I don't know. I don't it's it's hard to break it out in that sequence. It was more really just op instead of operating in like disease and like kind of going against the grain, it was like really just allowing things to like just have more ease to it and like really um I think it was like I need to get around the right people. And my ego was like, no, you're fine. And like, kind of keep me in this comfortable, like, you don't need to be around these other people. You don't need to be pushing yourself every day. It was like a more of a self-destructive ego. Like, oh, you already got it taken care of. It's already figured out. You don't need to keep investing in yourself. You don't need to. And that was like almost the end of, you know, me at the time, because David Meltzer says it multiple times. It's like, you know, successful multimillionaires these days will probably experience bankruptcy twice in their life whether that's emotional or mental self-sabotage, which Gay Hendricks from The Big Leap talks about it as well. A lot of people talk about like the upper limiting factor where we only allow ourselves to feel so good and then we self-destruct. I feel like I got more stuck in something like that mm. as opposed to just being more ego-driven of like the self-sabotaging. Because when we're growing up, we're always struggling with something, whether it's like relationships or our health or financials. Well, for a lot of people, when they figure out financials and now all of a sudden they got a couple hundred grand in the bank or they got a million bucks in the bank. Now we try to find other ways to self-sabotage because we're always fighting to survive. Well, now I got enough money, enough living expenses to live off of for the next five years if I never made another dime. Okay, now I need to go something else up in my life because <laughs> it's just a way that we're programmed, right? It's like I had a great relationship with my girlfriend at the time, had great finances. Um, and then I was like, now I'm going to put this limiting kind of cap on me not to keep growing in my entrepreneurial journey of like, what's next, right? Because it's like, oh, I have enough money to, to sustain my lifestyle. And, you know, you talk about people that just keep pushing the envelope and just, just keep growing and just keep growing. And I thought it was always about the money, but no, it was like, if you're not growing and moving forward and you're in the stagnant place, you actually, certain parts of you start dying. And I think that's where I got in a self-sabotage, like yo-yo cycle where I didn't have that next goal set. I wasn't continuing to surround myself around the people that were at the next level. I think that's where ego came in for me, where I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to go listen to this guy's mm. podcast anymore. I don't need to show up to those seminars. And I kind of went like living under a rock for a while. And I noticed my business and quite a few things just, again, start to get stagnant again. I was going back to like kind of that brain state thing where once that unlocked me, I understood how I operated as a human. And it was constantly being around people that were doing big things, kept me inspired and kept my business growing. And so that's the thing is when you do start a business, it's always like, just keep pushing to that next level because you actually need that as an entrepreneur to keep pushing. Like you, it is a necessity. You cannot ignore it. You have to be in the right rooms with the right people. You have to be going to seminars. You have to be continuing to invest in yourself, especially if you're a coach or a consultant or somebody that's leading a big, big group of people. Like you got to keep digging, like you yeah. got to keep investing into yourself and pouring into it because you will burn out. Like burnout is a real freaking thing. And I went through that as well, because again, I wasn't filling the tank. I was like, you know, putting it out, putting it out to my community, 
you know, building the business, but I wasn't filling myself back up. And again, it was ego. That was, it was so subtle though, that it started it eating, eating away at me to where I was like, I mean, there's a point in time where my, you know, my wife now was like, she's like, there was a moment where we were sitting down and she was like, if life is going to continue to be like this, like, I'm going to leave you. We're living in this beautiful beach house in Laguna, driving a nice car. But I was just like working myself into the ground because I couldn't say no to projects. I was bringing on too many projects and wasn't, you know, filling my tank and just wasn't topping off. And it was like, it was eating me alive. And I'd lost, like, I was like looking, you know, now I would go back and look at photos. I was like really skinny and just like living on just like tons of caffeine and just like food on the go. And she was like, if, if this doesn't change, like, I, I'm not going to live like this. Like this is going to be over. Like there's no, there's nothing left for me right now. And so that's a big thing for people to think about when you talk about the brand abundance is like having abundance in all aspects of your life, not just in health. You know, these people that I know they're in insane shape, but are still living paycheck to paycheck and like really struggling. But it's like, man, yeah, all that energy that you've dedicated, you know how to get healthy in that environment. It's just applying those same principles now to the other aspects of your life, right? For you to get in insane shape, like you figured out your own path to getting there. You're not following one person's program. You know, you're not like, oh, I'm just like on the paleo diet and that's like all I'm doing. It's like, no, you do all these things to operate your body in the right way to get you in that place of insane fitness. It's the same principles you apply to business and relationships. Like you got to find out how and what you need to do in order to operate at your highest level when you go in to start your own business. It's the same, same discipline, right? So for me, I learned, okay, because again, he goes like, finance are good, bro. Everything else is you know, it has to take a second or a third or a fourth seat. And I'm telling you, like my wife at the time, she was like in the third seat and she's like, I ain't, I ain't doing this. Yeah. And I don't blame that. her. You need I, that. Yeah. I needed to hear that because it was like, oh, my relationship doesn't have abundance now. And then we're always taught that it's either you're, it's a lot of money or you're going to have family. I don't agree with that. I don't either, but that's what people say yeah, growing up. Again, it's that fear, spoon fed poverty mentality that we all accept, like I said, your beliefs, right? I had, yeah. I had taken that belief and a lot of it was from childhood. It was like, oh, if you want to go make a bunch of money, you're never going to see your family. Yeah. And I was like, oh, now I'm living this. Which is probably true of a farmer's son. Yes. Right? You, you, you were faced with a decision in that moment though. I, so I do a lot, I spend a tremendous amount of time studying humans, mm -hmm. right? As a coach for now almost eight years and writing these books and having these conversations. This is just me studying people because my measures for people were not that good growing up, right? Mm -hmm. You know this, everyone who listens to the show knows this. I became studious about it to the point of possible insanity. And I might be in it right now. And I mean that literally. The amount of content I consume, the amount of books I read, the people, the number of people I interview, trying to always understand us better as both individuals and a collective yes. because there are secrets like there are secrets to life that people don't understand without diving into the nuance and a couple of weeks ago i had a date with someone and i left and i remember thinking to myself there were things about what, the way that this woman spoke i will never go out with her again right and i realized there's two and i could be wrong this is just my opinion on the world, there are two kinds of people in a relationship. 
but there's also two kinds of people in the world. And this will tie into like the, the fixed slash growth mindset, Carol Dweck work, right? Kind of married these two concepts and ideas. One is you have the person when they're approached in this moment, Hey, babe, you're working too hard. You're fucking up the relationship. Look at you. Clothes don't even fit. You're not taking care of yourself. I'm going to bail. What are you going to do about it? There's two people in that moment that exist. And there may be a third. I haven't yet discovered it. So we might talk that through here. Person one, this is just who I am. Deal with it or get out. Person number two, thank you. What do you need from me? Mm -hmm. And I believe that because of that, if you can remove, and this is so ego driven, right? We're talking about this today. If you can remove that person number one, which it's the criticism that actually is for your benefit that hurts you and recognize that's not about taking from you. It's about helping you because dude, you can't see the forest for the trees. We're so deep in this, especially as entrepreneurs, you let us get away with it, dude. We won't shower for a week. You yeah. know, we'll yeah. be in it. We, yeah. And we've been there. Right. <laughs> right. And then if you're, if you're person number two and you're, you're willing, this concept abundance, which we're going to get into in a moment, if you're willing to accept what is in front of you, not because it's the reality you want, but because it is the reality that is. Mm -hmm. And if you step back and you go, you're right. How do I fix that? You can have everything. For sure. I agree. You know, you're either aware or you're unaware you're the conscious or unconscious and a lot of people won't even hear that you know they just won't even won't even think about it for a second fine leave you know you're crazy crazy you know it's like i'm just not i'm tuning out i'm gonna drink my six pack and watch my football i'm not gonna listen to you right and it's sad but so many people stay in that place where they are completely disconnected from their partner but they'll just stay together because they have the fear of truly loving them and doing the work on their relationship, which we're also not taught to do in school. We're not taught to how, how to build a relationship and how to communicate. So at large, it's not really our fault. But what happens is at that moment, it's like, you know, a majority of people then will stay in that relationship because there's a fear of not being able to find somebody else that's like, that's going to put up with me or that's going to provide for me or whatever. And so we stay in this super toxic relationship and then that just becomes our whole life. Right. So again, when we're talking about fear and ego and the unknown, the, the more that we push that envelope and I've, you know, I've seen it with my mom where she's actually gone out and found true love after my father passed mm -hmm. and, and, and leaving a toxic relationship to actually find a relationship where she's found love, but it's, it was terrifying. She's like, this is, you know, this has been my whole life and this is, you know, who's taking care of me and who had my babies and all this stuff. And there's like, it's really scary. And then as soon as she had the strength and the courage to go out and start dating again and be vulnerable again and fall in love again, she found love. And that's like the perfect example of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you got, you just got to decide. And I think when people can really just sit back and look and just be honest with their situation and be the observer instead of the person in the victim state, there's a lot of power in that of like, because the world happens for us, not to us. And people need to really understand that. Like people are in a victim state of like, oh, every, everything's happening to me, to me, to me. It's like, no, everything's happening for you. When you start making the right decisions in life, 
that current's going to move him fast, pushing in the right direction. You hear about these amazing stories of transformation in a very short amount of time because they started asking the right questions. If you ask the right questions, the people that you're around aren't giving you the right answers. You're going to find the people to give you the right answers yeah, pretty quickly. Because once you start saying, no, that's not, that's not it, you can start finding up because so many people want to talk, 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 and not listen, not ask questions. And that's why they keep getting their own same answers of scarcity and finances, relationships, whatever it may be. And yeah. I think that that's a super small change when people want to talk about doing the ver doing the work and finding the right people. I say, start asking the right questions to the problems that you have now. And if, if it's the people that are trying, you don't have the right answers, go find other people to be around. Yeah. Part of the difficulty in that, and I agree with everything you just said, part of the difficulty is people don't know what question to ask. And because they don't know what question to ask, they are asking the wrong question. And I think that was my problem for a long time. Like I look at the scope of like many businesses I've run in, in the years that I've been an entrepreneur going into 13 now. It's like for a long time, the question, and, and this is because of the mentors I was looking at, the question wasn't, how do I help people? The question was like, how do I make money? And like, you can always make money, which is what I've come to discover, but there's a cost for that. Right. And that, but even to that point, like you were asking the right questions, but not in the, in the right sequence. Right. I was asking the right question, but without the right intention. Right. Right. And so when I found that actually it's really about this combination of all of the above, that's how you find the right people to be around. That's how you get in synchronicity. That's how you get into the vibe of energy of people because you're in the right place at the right time because you did the right things leading up. But it, it's also through the failure, yeah. right? It's like, dude, I have up so many times. Like it is insane to me. And I don't mean like minor, I mean like burning down like really. And I think about those moments. I'm like, dude, I'm so glad that happened when I was like 24 and 31 and 35. And I know they're still going to happen, yeah. but I, I think that I have a better way to like foresee those coming, yeah. right? Because it's like, you're always laying the path, laying the path, laying the path. Yeah. When, when you think about failure, right? In conjunction with now having built a like sizable business, one of the things that you had to do was, as you talked about, change your mindset, lift this lid, John Maxwell principle, the law of the lids, if you're yep. familiar with that, yep. that's really kind of what that ego driven stuckness can be. Mm -hmm. um, it, when you get to that place where you're at the start of, I know what I want to create abundance. Like, how do you handle the failures at the beginning? See, I feel like the fail, you learn more from your fail failures than you were for, than you will from your successes. Let me say that again. You will learn more from your failures than you will from your successes. Because when, if you get it right, you're like, dope, on to the next, like replicate, let's go. But when you find those massive failures, especially at scale, right? Because if you're at scale, if you lose, lose a couple dollars on a product, but you're selling a couple hundred thousand units a month at scale, you're like, now we're talking millions of dollars lost on, on those little failures, right? So that's where you learn like, okay, now I'm solving this major problem in my business. And that's why we love to go fast. I always talk about moving violently fast and taking imperfect action. Because the faster you break it, the faster you fail, the faster you're, you're going to become successful and grow a business. And again, yeah. that's that uh, fear of failure. It's like, no, fail fast. 
you hear a lot of people say it in different ways, fail, 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 fail fast. I had to go through so many different businesses and so many different jobs and just like not finding like abundance and like meaning and success. But I was like, oh, I'm just doing the wrong thing. Like I was a musician for a long time and wanted to be a touring musician. I was on all these stages and it just like wasn't quite hitting. And I was like, now I think about it, I was like, I was just on the wrong stage. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm speaking and growing abundance and doing these podcasts and it's like all the right people are showing up. It's like, oh, I was asking the right questions. Now I'm living in this life of abundance because now I'm on the right stage. I'm around the right people, right? So I had to go try all these other things and I did it quick. Like when I had these diff different chapters, it was like, I went hard in the paint for a month or three months or six months or a year. And I was like, not nope, the same, right? Boom, yep. eject button, next totally. one. And with our companies now is, you know, cause now we have like six under our abundance brand with each of those, you know, it's, you know, first three, 400 grand of just fail, 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 fail. We got to figure out the funnel, the, you know, the offer, the product, the service, the whatever, um, and just fell it fast. But we knew on the other side of like, okay, eventually we're going to find out how to get this thing just right, where a lot of people would give up. But we had to go through that and, and in some cases be 500 grand in debt on a new project to realize, oh, now we're seeing on the other side where most people give up. Now we understand this part of the process that we know is going to get us to where now that one brand is going to do 15 million this year, right? But it was like, you had to get through that fearful 500 grand of like, it's going, we're just, it's going out. To, there goes another three yeah, grand to Facebook, it, another five grand to Google. It just, and, it, and it's not like that money is like not real. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that something that came to mind is, you know, a Cardonism where he's like, you don't have a $5 problem. You have a $500,000 problem. Yeah. Right. And I think people get so stuck up because they're like, I don't want to invest $5 or 50 or 500. And it's like, you started at 5k. Right. I've invested more money. We're closing in on 300,000 into my own personal journey. And again, that that's not a flex. You and I have both been homeless. You and I both have done. We don't want to even say publicly to yeah. make it through. We know what it's like to struggle, to do whatever it takes to survive. And I just cannot help but think how much better life is when you actually start putting yourself in those rooms and those circles. And yeah, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make money mistakes, friendship mistakes, relationship mistakes, but you're going to be better for it, man. Yeah. Big time. And you know, if we don't learn from our mistakes, we'll just keep living them over and over and over and over again. And when you get into like Buddhism and some of these ancient, uh, religions or theories or, you know, whatever you want to call it. They talk about if you don't learn this lesson in this life, you're just going to repeat it again. Yeah, it's Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Again and again and again. And I want you all to, who's ever listening, really start thinking about that. Like if your life isn't where you want it to be right now and whatever aspect that is or the finance relationships, whatever it is, I want you to think about how many times you've been in the same situation over and over and over again and it just keeps showing up and you just keep struggling with it. Because I'll almost guarantee you that you have not learned the lesson from that experience yet. That's why it keeps showing up. Yep. Because once we do, we start making those changes in our life to not experience it again. Another thing we teach in abundance is be a one mistake learner. If you made a mistake. <laughs> I'm, I'm signing up right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you made a mistake. Don't just don't do it. Don't do it again. Chance, I am the, I am the king of, <laughs> I got to do this nine times. It didn't sink in the first one. I, I'm also the kid who, despite the warnings of everyone, don't put your finger in the electrical socket. 
Dude, literally put a fork in there. Yeah. Got fried. (laughs) Fried. I'll never forget that. I was like six years old. I was like, got it. Figured it out. But like, I think a lot of, I think one of the really difficult parts about life is we are destined often to repeat our mistakes. And if you look, one of the things I try to teach my clients, because, you know, we're talking mental health, we're talking about this really arduous journey, a journey that now probably more so than ever a light is shown on it, but the light's incorrect. The light is take the pharmaceutical, you know, get all the PTO that you can, but it's it's like, it's not really that. The, mm. It's the little things. It's the nuance of the day to day and recognizing, this is my opinion. If I can stretch the window of time in which I make the same mistake, that's a huge victory. And so if like, if I fuck up something today, if I cannot have that same up for 25 years, I'm going to be pretty happy about yeah. that. Right. And I think people are so, they get so caught up and like, man, this happened, but it's like, you have to let go of the past. You have to be willing to sit it to the side, forgive yourself, forgive others, forgive people who hurt you in, inadvertently or perhaps purposely determine what that means for you. Right. I think forgiveness is different for everyone and, and put yourself in a position where you actually take control over your life. Yeah. It's easy to be the victim. Dude, you have every reason to play the victim, Mm -hmm. losing your father at 19 in that way. The reconciliation you have gone through, like, I don't wish on anyone, right? And you could blame that for having relationships, being a dad, having money, living a normal life, and sitting here and going, well, if my dad wouldn't have done that, this wouldn't have happened. And I can never take that away from you, bro. You could run that all day long, run Mm -hmm. that play. And I could too. I could sit here and be like, my mom was a drug addict, alcoholic, cut my finger off, beat the out of me, put me in the hospital. We were home the whole nine. Yeah, you're la- I'm not taking that away. But what if? What if you chase the thing that you demand of life? What if you chased abundance? What if you could step into, man, I want a great relationship and great money and a great business and great friendships and a great community. I want it all. And there's something that I remember recently, my, my high school wrestling coach, he and I still stay in contact. He probably is going to live, listen to this. So Derek, I love you, brother, but I'm going to say this. I had been talking about getting back into dating recently. And I kind of laid out this concept and I was like, I'm not going to negotiate with anyone about the expectations of the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And he goes, don't you think that you're being too harsh on reality? Something that I'll paraphrasing, basically saying, well, you know, you should just be happy and satisfied with whatever comes your way. Not in those exact words. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I just cringe when you said that. And and it was the first time I think I've ever gotten mad at him. I don't think I've ever been mad at him before. And I remember in that moment being like, no, absolutely not. I will not succumb by any scope of the imagination to allow normal to exist in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. We are so indoctrinated into it. Yeah. So stuck in it. So told, don't go for your chance. People are told, don't go for your dreams from the moment that they have them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's one way to do it. And the other way is to like, ri- like literally go to war. And I think so much of that, like going to war is within the inner battle of yourself is you have to break free. You have to break free of all of the things. This has really been a big point of this conversation today is like leading into this question I've been really curious about when you're going to war with yourself to go and build this life, 
how do you, how do you reconcile who you were with who it is that you want to become? That is the place where people get stuck. That's a great question. And I always reverse engineer the outcome and bring it back to figure out what I need to be doing day to day in order to get there. Cause we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate, underestimate what we can do in a decade. Tony Robbins says it all the time yep. because we're like, okay, I'm starting this new business. I'm going to make a million dollars this year. I'm going to get my dream home. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to fix my relationship. I'm going to have my dream car. I'm going to move to Florida or wherever your dream spot is. And it's all going to happen this year. Probably not. Probably not. And you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to start thinking all the things that have to take place in order for that to happen. Right? So what I've done is knowing that every little thing that I do today is building towards my future. And we got to really learn to be like long-term thinkers because it's really easy to be short-term. We always do this short-term gain, long-term pain, right? We have to learn to flip mm, that around. It's great. Short-term pain, long-term. Say that again. I said short-term gain for long-term pain. Yeah. So we continue to get those dopamine hits. We continue to, you know, go and go to seminars or go read a book or go get that dopamine hit and say, oh, I'm going to make the change and then not do it. And, and we just do that again and again and again. And so it's those little things that you can do every day to start pushing towards your goal. So whatever your goal is, figure out that is. And I, and I always tell my students, you got two numbers. These are your freedom numbers. One is how much money you need to make to change your reality of whatever that needs to be. And any, you know, everybody has their different number. And then when is that time? When do you need to hit that number? When do you want to hit that number? Because most people say, oh, I want to start making 10K a month and I want to start a business. That's great. But there's no timeline. There's no deadline. There's no urgency. There's no goal setting. Nothing is going to happen. Period. You say, oh, I want to get a six pack. By when? Mm -hmm. You want to fix the relationship with your partner. By when? It's pretty simple. You got to figure out where that time is and what that goal is and then start working backwards so that you know what you have to do every year to get to that point. You know what you have to do every month to get to that next year. You know, you have to do every week to get to that month, every day to get to that week, and then every hour in your day to get to that goal, right? And so, so many people are like, I don't have time. And that automatically takes all of your power away. Yep. Because- Could not agree more. When you have, even when you're going to work 40 hours, you're going to the gym seven hours a week, you got 40 hours of miscellaneous work, hanging out with your kids, um, you know, whatever it is, you got 56 hours that you're sleeping, you still have 25 extra hours in your week, 25 hours to do with it, whatever you want. And the trap that I kept falling into is in those hours, like I'm going to relax. And we start taking our mini vacations and our mini retirements, I call them in those 25 hours, instead of building our empire. And like, if you dedicate like, and especially with the internet, everything that we teach out abundance and how much knowledge there is out there in our network and the people that I know, you could literally, anybody could sit down in the next one to two years and dedicate yourself to creating a business and set yourself up for the rest of your life. That's the beautiful, amazing Great. world that we live in right now. Back in the day during the industrial revolution, you could like to make a million dollars, you needed a massive farm. You needed a massive factory. You needed a lot of people working for you. Like it was really hard to make that kind of money. Now in today's day and age with all the drag and drop softwares and the funnels and the like, I mean, you can launch a product in a couple of days and find a drop shipper and a white labeler and a marking, like whatever you want to bring to market that adds value. Like you can build that overnight these days. Like yep. it's so insane. Yeah. 
you know, um, just with me wanting to launch a podcast and didn't know how to do it or whatever. We met and you're like, bro, this is what you need to do. Blah, 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 blah. And you saved me hours, days, probably years of trying to figure, figure it out. Yeah. But I was like, no, how do I do it in the best way and make this thing, like get my message out there. And you're like, boom, this is what you do. It's like, you guys can literally in the next one or two years, set yourself up for the rest of your life. And if you build a business for yourself, like people talk about, that's really scary. The thing that's terrifying for me is that there's only one employer responsible for my paycheck. That's you. <laughs> no, I'm saying like when you're, when you're, when you're working for somebody yeah, yeah. and they're, you got that one oh, check. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That makes that's sense. That's terrifying. Yeah. But when you can go out there and, you know, you have multiple clients or um, you have multiple people you're mentoring or multiple people you're coaching or multiple products that you're selling multiple events you're selling, whatever it is, like those are multiple streams of income coming in inside of one business, you know, and before the internet and before all the, you know, information that we have now to really set up those multiple streams of income, you need a completely different industry, a completely oh, yeah. different arm, a completely different whatever. But nowadays it's like, man, these companies that you see that are scaling extremely fast, like they're just staying in their lane and just adding more value to a product that they already understand. Totally. Like that's so amazing. It's so easy. Entrepreneurship is never easy. So let's not get it twisted. No. But but the access to entrepreneurship is easier than it's ever than been. Than it's ever been. When I I I started my first legal business when when I was 20. <laughs> let's clarify. Let's clarify. Legal. legal business when I was 25. Right. And you had to do everything. I had to learn how to code on WordPress. I had to learn how to do because I was I made t-shirts for this company that I created. And I had to learn how to press the t-shirts and ship them and pack them and I had to go pay all this money for these softwares. And like, I remember we made our first sell the day we launched. The day we launched. And I just thought to myself, this is incredible. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I think people get stuck because they have the dream, but their TV is 70 inches. Yeah. And it's way easier to go sit in front of that and zone out and disappear because life is stressful. Life, life has never not been stressful. Like, I don't know a time in human history when life was not stressful, but what I do know is like life is, it is the safest time in history yep. ever. Yeah. No questions asked. And I think due to that level of comfort and the level of, look, America is the greatest propaganda machine ever. I Agreed. love America. Let's not get this twisted. This is the greatest country on planet earth, point blank period. I do I, not, nobody even comes close, but if you aren't paying attention, you are in trouble. Yep. So. As we kind of tell off into this, because that could turn to a tangent, we'll be here for another two hours. Um, when you think about this journey and stepping into abundance, you use the word freedom. And I think it's, that might be the greatest fear for people because in order to have freedom, and this is my belief, you have to step out of the matrix. Yeah. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom is literally being able to go wherever I want with whoever I want and do whatever I want. Like that is what true freedom is to me. To be like, family, pack your bags. We're freaking going to Europe for the summer. I'm going to, you know, this was a last minute trip. I was like, I'm going to Vegas for 24 hours. I'm gonna go see my buddy, Michael. We're gonna hang out, have a great time. and go see my buddy, Johnny. I'm gonna go be on this other podcast with John. I'm gonna eat lunch and not even look at my phone. Nobody's telling me what the to do that's freedom yeah and like that's why i go to battle every single day 
And for motivation, when I am in my hometown, I drive past the old restaurants I used to work at. I drive past the alley that I used to sleep in the back of my truck next to these now are million dollar homes. I drive past and remember those days. So like, that is why you show up every day. You're like, you ain't going back to that and you ain't going to put your family in that position, right? Because that's heartbreaking. Like the other day I was like, there's just so much going on. I was like having a bit of like a challenge, like motivation to get this next training done. It was a big undertaking. And my son, you know, he figured out how to open up my door and he opens up the door into my office and comes flopping in and crawls back over and looks up to me. And he like, he looks up to me for everything. And then I'm like sitting there thinking like, you didn't want to show up today for your son? Mm. Like you want to put him back in like some little single Y that we used to live in or like not give him every opportunity possible on this planet? Like grow the f up, you know? And it was in that moment where, and you got to have these moments and they'll keep coming back. And it was a time when it, you know, I think about, man, I, I didn't know that. I had this in me to be this leader and grow multiple eight figure businesses and change people's life and have impact and being invited on shows and being able to meet amazing people like you and being able to speak on these great stages and be working on a book and all these things. It's like, I didn't know that that was even freaking possible because it's all the unknown and all the that I, that scared the living out of me were actually the things that gave me everything that I wanted in this life and more. Yeah. Like when I look back on when I first started my first business, I would have never in my wildest dreams imagined what my reality is today. And that's really what I tell people like looking at, it's like the that you fear the most, your freedom, everything that you want is right on the other side of that false fear. Yep. And I know that sounds cliche and whatever, but I think skydiving is the perfect thing to really put that into reality. It's like the first time I went, it was like, I couldn't, didn't sleep the two nights before I was like freaking out. I was like, man, I'm jumping out of an airplane with a stranger that I don't know with a pilot that I don't own this old freaking airplane in the middle of the desert. I'm like, this is a lot of sketchy. Shit. And so that's, I was like thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And then I get up there and then jumped out. It was like the greatest feeling I've ever experienced in my entire life, literally flying through the air, being in a place where humans are not supposed to be like, that is a perfect expression of the freedom on the other side of this false fear wall that, that we create for ourselves. And when you can really break through that, it's just like the most insane feeling. It feels like you're high all day long. Like I was like, I was always like chasing the dragon, trying to find the next dopamine high, the next whatever. This is what I was chasing. And it doesn't come from drugs, alcohol, sex, um, not even money. It's just that freedom of choice of being able to do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want is what life's all about because then you're able to really plan out your life to have impact and be around the people that you want that keeps giving you that energy to really do what you're supposed to be doing. And like, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Yeah, I love that, man. That's a great definition. And I am in a full agreement with you. Before I ask you my last question, tell everyone about abundance and where they can learn more. Yeah, so we're gonna create a link for you that they can join below where you guys are going to get a lot of awesome stuff from our team. We just add so much value to you guys. So what you do at abundance is you actually take an entrepreneurial quiz. We're the only one that has one online where we've spent the last like year putting this together after analyzing like 150,000 students, we figured out like why people were becoming successful in business and why they weren't worked with like some of the top personality, like creators out there and created the first entrepreneurial archetyped quiz. So you take it, you figure out what you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And then based on that, you actually go through our abundance training where we teach you about mindset, reshaping 
uh, reframing your beliefs. I've talked about it a little bit on here. Um, and then really how to find like the right path for you with where you're at based on your time, your resources, your knowledge, your network, based on all those things we have at this point, seven different online businesses where you can create semi-passive to passive income. And it's not just like, hey, this is like the next cool thing to teach and talk about. It's like, no, we've partnered with leaders in these different industries that have already done multiple six figures. Some of them have had exits and they have come back to like really teach people how to get off on the right foot. So it's not guesswork. It's, you know, with multiple, I mean, at this point, we've taught over 35,000 people how to start an Incredible. online business. And it's these huge communities of, you know, there's 15, 20 coaches in each of those communities helping you along the way. And we knew it wasn't just, mentorship and, and teaching and online education, it needed to be a community. It needed to be a lot of people rolling in the same direction. It needed to be culture. It needed to be events. It needed to be these things because I'd experienced those different elements in different areas of my life, searching for something great. And I knew if it was all in one place, we would just help people find freedom, whatever that means to them in a, in a much faster way. So that's what you get at abundance. You know, you helped us with our podcast, so that's going to be coming out soon. And, um, yeah, like I said, we'll drop the link. So we'll give you guys a bunch of awesome stuff and add tons of value to your life just by going to abundance, by going through the unbroken link. And, uh, yeah, if you guys come join us, I look forward to, to getting to know you and, you know, we're going to keep, keep growing this thing. And, you know, our goal is to teach 1 million people to be financially free so that they can go out and have impact in the world. Love it. And I obviously support that deeply. I love the mission. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? You told this to me and I've been, you asked me this and I was like, man, I got to come up with a good one. Cause I'm sure you heard some great ones after 661 episodes. I'm sure people have brought some fire to this question. To be unbroken. Honestly, you really got to get broken to be unbroken. Like you got to hit rock bottom. You got to know where that's at to find out truly who you are. Um, I wasn't able to truly love until my heart was broken. I wasn't really truly ever to like experience life until my heart was broken because I just learned to love it like such a deeper level. And I feel like people are so afraid and I was of being broken to really find out of how I could build myself up to be unbroken. And now I'm unshakable. It's like I, my emotions do not control me. People do not control me. The government does not control me. The banks don't control me. The media does not control me. Instagram does not control me. And I really feel like that's what the definition of unbroken is, is I know who I am, but I had to go through those broken times to really figure out where I stood and who I am today. And so that's what unbroken means to me. Beautifully said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, comment, share, tell a friend. And remember, every time you share this episode, every time you come join our newsletter or come to one of our programs, follow us on social, you're taking a step further and helping us end generational trauma. You're helping others transform their trauma into triumph, turning their breakdowns into breakthroughs, and yourself becoming the hero of your own story. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you.